0: Hi everyone, it's Scott. Welcome to the sixth episode of the Educator Wellness Revolution podcast on the topic of student behavior and teacher wellness. From working with our partner schools, we know how much challenging student behavior is influencing teacher wellness these days. The ongoing effects of COVID have affected the ways many students are interacting with their school communities, and the stress of that challenging behavior on teachers is real. For this, we are really excited to speak with education consultant and student behavior specialist Alexandra Vann of Building Capacity LLC about how to meaningfully address student behavior concerns while caring for yourself as an educator. Over the last 10 years, Alexandra has provided positive behavior support to elementary and secondary students within the public and private educational settings as a child behavior and intervention specialist. While helping to support the success of students, Alex has consulted and coached leaders, educators, and caregivers in mental and behavioral health strategies. Together, we discuss the difference between a student's behavior and their attitude, not the same thing. What to do when teachers within a school have a different approach to student behavior interventions. How to go upstream to get the full picture of what's happening with a student and yourself, and much more. We hope you enjoy this conversation and that it helps your approach to student behavior.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Educator Wellness Revolution podcast. I am
0: Gracie. And I am Scott.
1: We are here today with a wonderful guest, Alexandra Van. Alexandra is um, immersed in many aspects of educator wellness and leads many exciting groups that are innovating on this topic. But we were really excited to have her on this podcast to talk about student behavior. Alexandra has had a lot of experience in the classroom working with students around challenging behavior. And she also has had a lot of experience supporting educators in a a wider way. So we're really happy that you're here, Alex, and we cannot wait to learn from you.
2: Thanks for having me, Gracie and Scott. I'm really excited to be here. I'm just so thrilled that you're putting this podcast together and you're inviting guests from around the district. So I appreciate the invitation.
1: We're happy you're here. I know we always feel like these conversations are too good to keep to ourselves. We just want to be able to share them more widely. And we want to start by hearing more about you. Can you tell us a little bit of your background and your journey and how student behavior has factored into that?
2: Sure. First and foremost, I'm a mom and a wife. I feel like that's so important and and not everyone starts with that, but they always say you are not replaceable in your home, but you're replaceable at work. Mm. So my husband and I have two kids, and my husband's actually a DCPS educator. Our children are five and eight, and we have really been probably too close into the school system for them because we're both educators, and we're always on top of their schooling with staff and and Mm. leadership, but they're awesome. We are a softball, baseball family, so we always are are rotating those sports on the weekends. As far as profession-wise, I have a specialization in child behavior from psychology. So a specialization in psychology, child behavior services. And I had a a concentrate in applied behavior analysis, ABA. Do you know of that? A little bit? No? Okay. So it's heavy in the science of behavior and in neuroscience. And honestly, it's a new field. It's only been around for maybe 50 years. And so typically The clientele and and populations that we work with are special education, and it's usually private therapy. But now what schools are seeing is that we need for our ABA therapists to be inside of schools to help support the the different avenues of school. And so I've been in the field for 12 years. I started in private therapy, and then I moved into Prince William County and then Fairfax County Central Office for behavior support. And I helped consulted for 12 schools a year for Fairfax County. So the schools were pre-K through 12. And I consulted with admin and helped go in to support the staff and different behavior supports for gen ed and special ed. And then I started my own company in 2019 called Building Capacity. And we are a district established company. And we're going to celebrate four years this February. So now I contract and support (laughs) GW and the Mary Center. And
0: do a lot more strategic planning for them. That's awesome. empowered we work with teachers all the time. And so when I, you know, I will say in our school partnerships, we have heard this theme come up so much, and especially coming back from virtual learning back to in-person learning, with the pandemic, that there's just been such an increase in what Teachers might describe as challenging student behavior that has really had an impact on teacher morale and educator wellness in the classroom. And I think what people are looking for are tools, right, that they can use, and 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 also to think about, you know, the impacts that the pandemic has had on their children, on their kids, on their students, right, and how they can serve them better, but also their own mental health and their own wellness. I think one of the things we hear from teachers all the time is that they don't want to use punitive approaches to discipline and they want to move past that but they don't really feel like they've been given the tools to implement more restorative type approaches that they hear about a lot and so and and teachers are in very different places have different perspectives on what accountability means right for students so i want to hear your perspective to start with like what is accountability what how do you start with teachers that might have different perspectives on how we hold students accountable and what how we respond to behavior
2: that's a great question. So what I typically start with is when I speak to educators, staff, and leadership, I start with a simple question. Do you know what behavior is? Or can you describe behavior? Because everyone thinks they know what it is, but in actuality, they don't. And so we have to get to the root of understanding the behavior behind accountability, right? Because accountability is a concept. It's not a behavior. And so behavior simply defined is Really, it's an action, but it's more or less like in the category of like sleeping is a behavior, blinking is a behavior, right? Speaking is a behavior. So your power language and body language is a behavior that communicates. And so when we bring it back to accountability, we have to understand from an educator's point of view, what are you taking accountability on? There's many things, right? So if we're saying we're going to take accountability on making sure that every time a student is tardy to class, the educator is taking accountability for that. Because I know not every educator counts tardy, right? So if you're counting the behavior of being late or tardy, then you need to take accountability on that. I will also just add that when you're looking at changing behavior, you can't change it all at once. There's just way too many. So you have to pinpoint one or two. So... I would say make sure you look at what you're trying to take accountability on or for and also look at yourself as an educator. Are you looking to also be on time as an educator every day? Are you waking up when your snooze button goes off the first time? That's really a place to start as well with yourself when you're also looking at your students.
1: I, I love that we're defining what all this means because it's like a huge passion of mine in the wellness work is that we just, we talk about self-care, we talk about wellness, we talk about behavior, and we think we know what we mean. But when we slow down and actually start to dig in, we begin we, to we understand more. So, and, and something I learned in our school partner work early on was we're talking about student discipline, and it was one of our school partners that stopped us and was like, I don't like to talk about student discipline, I like to talk about student support. And that just that one change, I was like, oh, it's still in my mind. It's like, how do you discipline? And so I I love like getting clear on our vocabulary. I think that's so important.
0: Alexandra, what's the number one behavior that teachers want to change?
2: That's a great question because it comes up all the time. Typically, when I step into a classroom and I meet with the teachers, They say that the number one behavior to them is disrespect. And I typically have to have a hard conversation with them and say, disrespect's not a behavior. Neither is respect. Neither is power. They're concepts. And really, I have to dig deeper with the teacher. And I have to ask, what is the behavior that you perceive as disrespect? And so sometimes they'll say, well, eye rolling or talking back or they're not listening, I'll say, okay, eye rolling is the behavior and your perception is disrespect. But from teacher to teacher, it may change. A teacher may say, well, I don't find eye rolling disrespectful, but I find talking back disrespectful.
0: Yeah, it's totally true. And one of the big things that changes from teacher to teacher is what are the things that we should enforce? And between teachers and administrators and school leaders, so should we have a rule about hats? And what should we have rules about cell phones? And all of these things that are super controversial in schools. And I think a lot of teachers feel like we spend all of our time enforcing things they might not even view as problematic, but they're just asked to enforce these rules, right? And one of the things we've uh, struggled with talked with a lot with our partner schools is, do we all need to be on the same page? So I want to ask you that last question, which is, do we all need to be on the same page in every classroom about what we enforce and what our views are and what's disrespectful and what behaviors are worth certain consequences?
2: It's definitely helpful to be aligned. That's part of the alignment, right? And that's part of the accountability. So you're not going to be able to change all the behaviors. And you're not going to be able to take everyone's perceptions and and align them. It's nearly impossible because it may change from like situation to situation. But what I would encourage is that you sit down and you take the top five things in your school or the top three. And then you look at just changing one or two. Behavior has to be changed in increments if you're going to be successful. And then a part of sustaining that, because at the end of the day, we must sustain this. You have to be consistent. The consistency is key. And typically behavior works in numbers, like three, nines. So if you want to implement something for just three days, you know, that's why they have like a three-day cleanse. You can implement a strategy for three days, then push it to 10 days, two weeks, 30 days, 60 days, and 90 days, and then into a year and a year and a half. And if you work that way, you will really create sustainable change inside of schools.
1: I am curious about like tools in the moment of where teachers can go. I'm thinking of like one teacher that just heard her experience of being bit by a student in the classroom and just like, you know, the number of triggers I know as a parent that I go through and like, like really challenging behaviors coming up. And like, how do, what do teachers do in those moments or how can teachers support themselves when they are encountering some very challenging behavior from students?
2: Yeah, biting is Definitely, I would say a tier three behavior. I also work in tiers, just like MTSS with tier one, two, and three. And so that that definitely can be a traumatizing or a traumatic experience. And honestly, we'll go back to basics here, is really making sure that the student who bit is okay and the teacher at the same time phys- physically, right? Like that there's no blood or that there are no open deep wounds, But honestly, the tools that the teacher can equip him or herself with is is the mindset and understanding how to self-regulate. Self-regulation is such a huge tool to use in these circumstances. And I know a lot of school districts now are putting initiatives into place for student regulation. Also, at the same time, there has to be staff self-regulation. And so it's incredibly hard to think clearly and logically during such an emotional flood of of a time when you're being bit or when there's a fight, when there's a physicality. And so I really suggest the tools of self-regulation. And obviously you can go way deeper down there and what that means, but to answer what's in your, short.
0: What you're alluding to is that, I mean, the whole connection between student behavior and teachers and teacher wellness, and that's something obviously we've, talked about and thought about a lot, there's obviously a nexus between those two, not just because challenging student behavior can lead to more teacher burnout or lower teacher morale, but because we really believe there's a connection, right? That the learning environment is the teaching environment, right? And we talk about that all the time in the context of it. we need to take care of our teachers and our educators because when they are well, right, they can't pour from an empty cup. And when they are well, our students can be well. But what do you see? Tell us a little bit more about the nexus and how they're connected to you.
2: Yeah, so it's such a passionate concept and field for me and bringing, honestly, the intersection together from leadership, staff, and students and families is a goal. And and I feel like we share that same mission together. Just, I agree 100% that, that when our staff as humans, right, not in the profession, because you can break down a teacher in many different realms across the spectrum, but as a human, are they okay? Are they really okay? What do they need? Because they're a human first when they wake up. And all of us go through hurdles before we even hit the classroom if we're parents or caretakers. And so when they hit the classroom, they transition into another part of themselves, which is teacher or educator. And how are they well in that spectrum? How are they... um, functioning at their best with support and and really feeling that and not false motivation because someone can say i'm fine right how are you today i'm fine but really what does that mean and i think it goes down to to the self and to the system and i'll stop there i love the
1: system this system is so important this is this is something that we talk a lot about in our educator wellness work is that when people talk about wellness, they often talk about, like, are you managing the stress well enough? And they're not talking about what is, what's the system around you that's creating the stress and should that system be managed? So when you, let's go macro here. Like, what do you think about, like, ways that the system could be changed to better support students, to better support teachers, to better support the behavior that might feel challenging?
2: The system definitely is a part of the solution. And I know sometimes we say their systemic problems, but if we focus on the solutions, then really well is right within our reach, right? And so the systemic solutions, I think a lot of the district is already onto thinking about flexible scheduling, thinking about understanding, honestly, authenticity and transparency. I see those as big systemic well points because if we're building trust between our educators, leaders, and the system... We have to be authentic and transparent with each other to a certain degree, right? Like I don't need to know everything that's going on in central office, but I need to know a piece of it as an educator so I can see how I'm aligned. And so I I really feel like systemically having trust and authenticity and alignment help build the wellness that trickles into self as well as the system.
0: One of the things I felt really passionate about as a teacher, I was very into like standards based grading, kind of separating things out, right? And you started at the beginning of this conversation to talk about that, right? If, if a student is having a challenging behavior in class, that has nothing to do with what. Whether they're doing their edition well or whether they know science or how they're doing in social studies, right? So we really have to separate those things out, just like, you know, we might separate out the reading skill of finding the main idea from whether they know the content of the reading itself. And we have this habit that goes back a very long time in um, education to average everything together and give students one big grade. Right. And I've always thought that has a really damaging effect on students' ability to kind of have a growth mindset right about themselves because you're not differentiating and saying, you know, here is an area where you're really excelling and here's the area where you actually need to grow. Let's focus here. Right. And let's let's be specific. And there's a long pattern of teachers including behavior and thoughts and perceptions of behavior in how students get graded. So I want to hear from you a little bit about how do we how do you coach teachers to separate these things out?
2: That's so true. Behavior is a form of communication at the end of the day. What is the behavior communicating from a student to an educator? And often I I tell staff, if you were late by two, three minutes every day, and that equated to $50 off of your check, however, you are a really good content deliverer and you really love your students. Do you want to be disciplined quote unquote in that way from from your central office because money at the end of the day there's financial wellness too right and so if you're looking at the spectrum of wellness and you may be a great educator and love your students but you are consistently late and now financially you're being deducted if you equate that back to the student in the classroom they're really good at comprehension and understanding reading but they really sometimes don't understand The directives, the first time. You have to tell them five times. Is is that really fair to always look at the behavior and grade the student on that? Oftentimes, I tell the staff, let's ignore the behavior, but pay attention to the student. Because sometimes staff, if they get into a quarrel with a student, they hold that emotion and they hold on to it. And then they come against the student a little bit. They don't realize it. But if a student, you know, doesn't push in the chair, and they're lining up. And the, the teacher said, well, you have to go back and push the chair. Oftentimes, I say, look at the student, call them by their name, thank them for coming to line, and then just tell them gently next time, hey, next time, remind reminder to push your chair in, but you go push the chair in. That is such a helpful way to still notice the student and what they're doing good with, and not just always look at what they miss.
0: But Alexander, what about the big stuff? What about the students are cursing, they're throwing the chair across the room, there's really violent behavior. Then then what do we do? What do you what do you how do you coach teachers when it gets emotional because the behavior is so strong?
2: That's called your crisis and your crisis team. And I highly recommend all schools have those. And honestly, then you move into restorative practices. That's the deeper tier of behavior. And that's how you have to rank behavior. Look at tier one, tier two, and tier three. And for each of those, you need support teams. And in each of those, they have to work fluid together because you may start with not listening to the directives in the classroom in elementary and then move up along the way into fights. And so that's it goes back to self-regulation again. How is the educator- self-regulating, using growth mindset for themselves, in addition to the school supporting them in that. What supports do the schools have for them? Do they have restorative practices set up? Or does the, the teacher feel like they're alone and isolated in this emotion? And so that's where they have to be combined and they have to intersect. <music>
1: name something else that I'm hearing in this conversation, which is compassion and like a, a parenting concept, which I use for with everyone in my life, is like going upstream. Like when your when your child's upset, your student's upset, when your partner's upset, like that you can see the behavior in that moment, and you're like, but you have to go upstream to be like, why? What was your morning like this morning? What's going on at home right now? Like, what's going on with your friends? Like, what what's all of that? And I don't think we can always like go upstream and get all the answers, but I think it's that action of going upstream of just thinking about the whole human being that's showing up right now and all the different parts that influence us. That for me. That's compassion for others, but it's also like compassion for self. And I like really want to like name that and encourage that for any teachers who are listening to this is I think that there is sort of like a shame response that probably happens when you don't handle the student behavior situation, when you let your emotions get away, when when you don't show up the way you want to show up. And it can be really easy to be hard on yourself. But I think part of that, too, is that you have to go upstream with yourself. And say like, what was my morning like this morning? Am I feeling the support I need for my admin right now? Is you know, And all of those things I think can help in the moment of just like having a little bit more spaciousness for for the hardness of it. Because it is a challenge to be in those situations that are so emotional.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that everyone sees that. What did you have to do this morning to get your own kids to school? And then what did you have to do to transition to prepare for your students coming in the classroom? Or if you're a principal in leadership, Same thing. What are you doing to prepare for your entire school and be there in support? And, And it's a lot. Everyone carries a lot on their plate. So I think compassion is a huge concept that we need to dive deeper into.
1: Well and I want to talk about this tension between I think the more whole child restorative compassion mindfulness based way of dealing with student behavior and a more old school punitive like you broke the rules you have to be held accountable in this way and and I think both of those can exist within one classroom often if you have co-teachers and how do how do you coach school systems when there are some really different approaches to student behavior
2: It's a process and it's a journey, just like everything else, right? Really just understanding and assessing because when you consult for so many schools, each school has their own culture. And furthermore, inside of the classrooms, when you're working with multiple teachers in classrooms, each classroom may have a little bit different of a culture, even though they're part of one school. And then you have the educator who is their own person and personality, right? No two brains are the same. So really, the first part I, I have to do is assess and understand what is the culture of the school, the classroom and the teacher and the students. And I really am watching the interaction between students and teachers. It's not just the, the students because sometimes, you know, as parents and teachers, we trigger. Unfortunately, we are the triggers too. And and we have to understand that. And so that goes back to accountability and for teachers understanding what are they looking at accountability for themselves and their students. And are we miscommunicating with each other or are we communicating properly? So I really sit down with the teachers one-to-one before I even go in their classroom and I get to know them more because that is their classroom. They, they are the orchestrator of, you know, that symphony and the educator and myself, we have to build that trust just like any consultant or any third party that comes into a school. And so really just understanding what their goals are.
0: Alexandra, I want to zoom back out to the systemic for a minute and ask you kind of, we, we've talked to a lot of people on the podcast about this because of things like we've talked about, like flexible scheduling and the changing nature of work. But from your perspective, working on student behavior and also teacher wellness, what needs to change about school? What's not working about, you know, the way we've been doing school for a very long time that needs more structural change in your mind?
2: That's a very direct, hard question. (laughs) I like it. It's good. Well, I will say there's a lot of great things that are working and and we do know we have to play off strengths. So assessing the strengths first. Right. But some of the things that would need to change, honestly, is probably mindset and context. And, And this is a reoccurring theme. Understanding are the mindsets within the building aligned I know we need like-minded people together, but we also need differences so that we can culturally shift and understand the different perceptions of each other. Structurally, I, I don't think leadership understands how much autonomy, flexibility, and power they actually hold. I think sometimes we're so glued to the old mindset of having to do it a certain way that no one really thinks outside the box. And so I'd like to see structurally more outside of the box thinking, to be honest yes i i agree with all of that and it's and it's hard change is really hard and i like i think that's
1: always important and it's complex because you change one part of the system and then four other parts of the system have to change and one of my teachers, she always talks about when you're dealing with systems that are complex, like the only thing you can do sometimes is just to keep naming the complexity and that like just being able to keep saying that for people, like it, it calms us down because I think we all can feel like we need this change and the change is so big and how do we go? And so I think just like what you're saying, it's a process, <laughs> it's hard and and we're doing it too in just a little ways, like this conversation is part of that too. Well, um, as we close up here, I am thinking of all those teachers, especially teachers who are newer to the profession and the ones who are dealing with this COVID aftermath student behavior challenges and who are maybe considering leaving the profession. Like what advice would you have for them around how to how to stay resilient and keep going even when when it's really hard?
2: I wanted to say one thing, but I'm not. I'm going to say there's some good red and white selections out there. (laughs) <laughs> honestly, I am such a big advocate for growth mindset and that has helped me so much along my journey in 12 years. There's a great resource out there that I use all the time. It's called Big Life Journal and they are a phenomenal company that puts out resources for educators that are student facing and staff facing and growth mindset strategies honestly are some of the best tools to hold on to resilience and to build yourself and to build your classroom and your culture. So. I
0: would say, growth mindset. I love that. There's so much opportunity to start again. I think when you're a teacher, that's one of the things I loved is you have all these natural breaking points within the year, from year to year. And I think, you know, you just, you have to have this very optimistic. I think the first thing I learned in my first year of teaching was like, if you can't wipe the slate clean at the end of the day and come back in completely fresh, you really can't stay in this job for long. And that definitely applies to the perceptions of students that we have. We really have to be able to give everyone a clean slate every day and to be able to do that for themselves and give themselves the grace as well.
2: Yeah. I think that it's comparable to marriage, right? I often tell people I married the mission, just like I married my husband and I, you're not going to stay in love for 65 years. That's just what it is. You're gonna have to fall in love over and over again for 65 years. And I feel the same way about the career. You, if you're gonna stay in it until retirement, you're gonna be there for, you know, 35 years, 30 years. You're gonna have to find ways to fall in love over and over again with yourself, your community, your content. I mean, you know, we, we all go through different phases and journeys. There's seasons and reasons for a reason, right? So I really compare marriage and the mission very similarly in my mind. I like that. It's about commitment, right? Absolutely. I'm tired every day. You know, I'm exhausted every day, but I wake up because I'm dedicated and because we can really make the change we need to.
1: Alexandra Van from Building Capacity. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing your expertise, your wisdom, and your humanity with us. We really appreciate it. And we appreciate everyone for listening. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you
2: everyone. Hi
1: there. Thank you so much for listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, please pass it along to another educator wellness advocate and rate us five stars so others can discover our podcast. We also hope you stay in touch. We'd love to hear your questions, ideas, and recommendations for future podcast guests and themes. Just email us at wellness at we are Empower ed that just looks like we are empowered.org you can also follow us on facebook instagram and twitter and tiktok with the same handle as empowered dc or visit us at weareempowered.org. thanks again we are all part of this educator wellness revolution and we really appreciate your time and energy